Welcome to Socialette, your go-to source for bite-sized lessons in launching and online marketing. I'm your host, Steph Taylor, and I'm a corporate dropout turned launch strategist, helping you launch your digital products simply and successfully so you can reach more people, grow your audience, and become the go-to brand in your space. Want to swipe my signature launch framework? Download my free ebook, The Complete Roadmap for a Killer Launch at stephtaylor.co forward slash roadmap. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my latest episodes released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Hey, welcome back to Social Let. This is episode 287. Today, I'm interviewing Jen Waterson, the founder of Simply Smarter Numbers. She's a business profit coach, a speaker, and a podcaster. And Jen is helping business owners make more profit and take back their time. She's been working with business owners for the past 20 years as a CPA, CFO, and CEO. So she's got a pretty good idea what she's talking about, right? Today, Jen works with ambitious service-based business owners who are ready to think big, rewrite their own rules, and take action. Some of the things that we chatted about included how Jen designed her business to work with her desired lifestyle, not the other way around. We talked about the five key elements elements to profitable revenue growth and why they're crucial for all businesses. And we walk through each of the elements step by step so that you're not just left, you know, wondering how to actually put the pieces into play. And we also chatted about this concept of an elegant business model because I I really like this idea and we, we're going to cover it in the episode, so I'm not going to talk about it now, but it's so important and you really need to care about it. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, Jen, welcome to Socialette. Hi, Steph. Thanks so much for having me. It's very exciting. It's so good to have you here and I'm really excited to chat to you because we're talking about numbers today and this is something that scares so many people. But having been through one of your sessions with you, I can very honestly say that you know what you're talking about when it comes to numbers and you're good at making them not scary. So anyway, before we jump into the episode, I'd love to know who are you, Jen, and what do you do? I am... Jen from Simply Smarter Numbers. I'm a business profit coach and I help business owners make more profit and take back their time. So that's what I'm here to do. I use numbers uh, because my history is as an accountant. I don't do that these days. That was what I, uh, that was my past life. 20 years I've been working in the accounting industry. So uh, we actually have an accounting business as well. That's like my, our other business, but I worked really hard to get myself, work myself out of that business and Mm. Now, Simply Smarter Numbers is my baby. So I get to do all the fun things that I used to love doing, which is working uh, like in a real strategy sort of based sort of with um, small business owners and big business owners and just like the huge range of people that we get out there as accountants. So working with them to help them grow their businesses. But I didn't like the tax. So I jumped ship. Hmm. It's funny when you say the fun things because I'm sure a lot of our listeners are like, but numbers aren't fun. <laughs> yeah, but I just I just like to choose the good the good uh, parts of the numbers. The good I like to make them um, a bit more simplified and a little bit easier to understand because I know very well that if I don't make it simple, then you're just going to glaze over. You're not going to be interested, and you're not going to implement anything. So, yeah, it's about simplifying. 
I love that. And we're going to look at what you mean by all of, by like how you make it fun in a minute. But I just wanted to chat about your approach to business. I think we're quite similar in that you've designed a business that you want, you've designed your business around the lifestyle that you want. Now, you, I, I remember, I think we were emailing or messaging or something and you you replied and you're like, oh yeah, I'm just out on the golf course at the moment and it was yeah. the middle of the week. <laughs> and I love that because that's totally the approach that I have to business as well. You know, it's you run your business to build your lifestyle, not, you know, not Absolutely. to be busy. So could you share with our listeners what your typical week looks like? Uh, my typical week really can change from week to week. Um, I am massive on lifestyle business. So mm. for me, I'm 46 years old now. So, and my kids are at the point where they're older. I've got two that are adults, one's, one that's nearly there. And I haven't been around a lot during the years that they were younger. So for me now, it's kind of, I've got to the point where I go, no, that's not how I want to continue. I am going to mm. create this business and I'm going to make it work for me. I'm going to wake, make it work for my family. Our typical week is I... Really, I get up when I want to get up, which is, you know, early, early enough, but I'm not one of these like crazy 4am, 5am freaks like my husband is. Um, <laughs> and I play golf when I want to play golf. I I will go and visit my daughter when I want to go and visit my daughter. If I mm-hmm. want to have the afternoon off, I have the afternoon off. We plan, we, we holiday a lot. So um, we take probably about six weeks a year off um, throughout the year. We go away every year. We go on a big international trip. Maybe we take the kids, maybe we don't. Um, We will do domestic holidays. So, yeah, we spend a lot of time Mm -hmm. doing the things that we love doing and that's why we work. So it's about creating the lifestyle, uh, creating the business that can drive that lifestyle. That's what's really important and that's what I've really learned over the past sort of 20 years of, yeah, yeah, working. I love that. I love that. Did you, did you start out with that lifestyle in mind or was it something that you created after you'd already built your businesses? It was, it came afterwards. I've got to say it, we got to the point where we, our business, uh, I think about 12 years ago, we bought into our business. So mm-hmm. the business, our, this is our other business. Um, we bought into that. So we had a massive, like a huge amount of debt that came with that. And it's a big, heavy responsibility. So we worked really, really carefully, um, to reduce that debt, to create a really efficient business that works really well to create profit, which means we can get rid of that debt. We just had a massive focus on that. And we did that amazingly quickly. We really uh, were quite proud of the way that we handled that and took care of that really fast. And then from there, it was a case of saying, okay, well, we've made these changes. What else can we do? to make this business even more efficient, even more effective, even more profitable. And and it's everything that I've learned over that 12 years that that's what I do now with business owners and, yeah, yeah, just help other people to create that same sort of lifestyle business for themselves. I love it. And that segues beautifully into our main topic for today's interview, and that is the five key elements to profitable revenue growth, which is like your, it's your jam, right? It is. It is. It's <laughs> Profitable revenue growth. We all love to talk about revenue growth and top line and that sort of thing. And it all sounds fantastic. But I know that you know, Steph, <laughs> as well as anyone that it's always about the profit. 
Exactly. Yeah, that, that that's the important thing. So five key elements to profitable revenue growth. And I've got to say to your listeners, if you have a access to a pen and paper and you're not out strolling, walking, exercising or traveling, then grab a pen and paper because we're going to run through some really actionable things that you can just write down and put into place at some point. So I love it. Okay. Yes. So let's start. What are the five elements? Okay. So the first one, do you want me to run through all five in one hit or one at a time? Go with all five in one hit and then we'll jump into each one Perfect. a little bit deeper. Perfect. Number one is setting goals. Number two is about finding the right fit revenue streams. Obviously, this is going to be fun diving into each of these. I love talking about I can't wait. So number three, number three, what we do is that we then wrap the numbers around those revenue streams. And these are good, simple numbers that we can easily wrap around our revenue streams. Number four is then now you've got the numbers, we're going to wrap the strategy around Mm. those numbers and work out how you're actually going to achieve them. And then number five is all about activity, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly activity, the things that you're actually going to do day in, day out to make sure this actually happens and isn't just another pipe dream. Oh, I love it. Okay. Let's, let's start. Number one, setting goals. So okay. where do setting we, goals. what do we do here? <laughs> so setting goals. I, people have different opinions about setting goals. Some people, mm. love it, some people hate it. Some people are just kind of scared of it. But in my view, and I'd be interested to see what your view on this yeah. one is too, Steph, but in my view, goals don't have to be just revenue goals. Like, yes, set yourself revenue goals. They don't have to be set in concrete. Um, set yourself revenue goals and set yourself lifestyle goals. So what is it that you want to achieve out of your week, your month, your year? What do you want to get out of your lifestyle and how is it that you can create the business that you need to give you that lifestyle? So they're the sorts of goals I love people to think about. One, put some numbers there. Yeah, stick up some revenue goals, stick up some profit goals but also really have a good hard think about what your lifestyle goals are around this. Yeah. So it's quite interesting because I always used to think of, or I always used to approach my goals as, you know, like, oh, this is my revenue goal for the year. What other goals do I need to set? And it wasn't until I actually sat down again last week to redo my goals for the year because <laughs> I kind of hit them. Out of the water. <laughs> uh, it's it, it's May, and you know we've already hit those. <laughs> but it wasn't until I sat down again to redo my goals that I thought, actually, what else do I want? And that was where I set myself the goal. Now I only work four days a week. That's yeah, perfect. But it is a goal because it's it is kind of challenging for me to only work four days a week. It's very easy for me to say, well, oh, my, my work for this week's overflowed. Let me just use that extra day anyway. Absolutely. But, It'll change the way by having that goal, by simply setting the goal. Like I said, they don't mm-hmm. have to be set in concrete. We can chop and change them. If you reach yeah. them early, then you change <laughs> them, you up them. Or, you know, if it doesn't happen for you this year, maybe it will next year. But the point is that if you've got the goals there somewhere and they're in your mind and you're committed to them, then you'll make it happen. So if you want that day off a week, then you're going to find different things that you perhaps don't even need to be doing in your day-to-day uh, life that you can just say, no, I'm not doing that anymore. It's really not getting me anywhere anyway. Maybe you'll outsource it. Maybe, maybe, maybe. It just means that you'll Mm. start thinking about how it is that you can utilize your time better to make sure you do have that one day. 
I love that. Do you think that for people who don't really like goal setting very much, do you think they can get away without setting goals or is this 100% necessary? Oh, I actually think it's 100% necessary. <laughs> I thought I you do. might say that. <laughs> I do. I really do because what it will do, and you don't even have to tell anybody, like just, you know, mm. write it down on a piece of paper and put that piece of paper in the bottom of a drawer somewhere. Like if you really hate it that much, just <laughs> put it down because what it will do is expand the way you're thinking. It expands your mind and makes you just think a little bit more about what it is you're trying to achieve at the end of the day. So, it makes a big difference at an activity level. By the time we get down to number five, so we've got our five steps, by the time we get down to number five, it'll start to sort of make a little bit more sense as to why these setting these goals become really important. Yeah. I find personally with setting goals, the biggest or the hardest part is the mindset around it. When you're trying to, it's that balance of setting a stretch goal that's stretchy enough to push yourself, but that's still achievable. How do you juggle that? Yeah, it's a tough one. But at the end of the day, I feel like you have to find a number that, so if we're going to talk mm. these sort of goals, we'll talk number goals. If, you, if you're going to yeah. find a revenue number that kind of feels like it's, it's almost impossible, but not quite. And I think it, once you've got that kind of feeling there, then yeah, you're probably at about the mark that you should be at. And then when we get into step three of what I'm going to go through today, that's where you can then start playing around and saying, okay, well, is this number that I've set in any way realistic, in any way possible? And you might actually get through this sort of get to number three in what we're going to go through today and then go, well, hang on a minute. That's like, definitely achievable. I'm going to, I'm going to, I can smash that. Like I can really do that. And then you'll do, you'll do one of two things. You'll either go and increase that goal and start changing things accordingly, or you'll go, you'll get off the, um, you'll, you'll, you'll leave that step. You'll move into number four. You'll start really um, getting really excited about the strategy and the way that you can push forward Mm -hmm. and make those goals become a reality. Love it. All right. Let's move on to step or to the second key element. So finding the right fit revenue streams. Now, what do you mean by the right fit revenue streams? Okay. So what I see often with a lot of different business owners is over time, we can start to accumulate lots of different revenue streams. Like we get a (laughs) little bit too, you know, shiny object syndrome. I'm going to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And if you sit down and think about how many revenue streams you have. I really Mm. like to encourage people to keep it as minimal as possible. So quality over quantity, we can kind of just keep uh, finding other things to do to add to our day because that's what that person wanted. So now I'm going to start offering that. And this person wanted something different. So now I'm going to start Mm. offering that. And over a period of time, we can kind of accumulate different revenue streams. So Whatever your revenue streams are, I like to just encourage people to keep them as minimal as possible. Like, you know, absolutely. I've seen people with eight, you know, it's too much. When you're working by yourself, you know, you might have workshops and you might do conferences and you might do speaking events and you might do um, one-to-one consulting and you might have some sort of little membership thing and three different versions of your one-to-one consulting or who knows. Uh, But I feel... For me, I think it's really important for people to keep it as low as possible. You know, 
whether it's one or two or three or max four. Not sure what your opinion is on sort mm. of on that, Steph, but yeah, I feel like yeah. the more there is, the harder it is to make things actually work and get that really that good quality. Yeah. So when you say like, what do you classify as one single revenue stream? So is it like, you know, like um, online courses as a general thing would be one revenue stream or would each individual online course be a revenue stream? Depends if your business is about, if, if all you do is online courses, then I would break that down into three or four different online courses and right. analyze each of them separately. If yeah. you were a consultant, if you're a business consultant and you have, um, or a branding consultant or something along those lines, uh, a copywriter, and you have a one-to-one offer, that's your main offer, mm. then that's one revenue stream. Then you might have your next uh, your next version of that might be something that's a little less involved and that might be number two. Then you might also yeah. have an online shop and that might be number three. So it's about just trying to work out what makes sense to you in your business, where is your main revenue coming from uh, and breaking that down into some different areas. I love that. And yeah, like I definitely learned that lesson the hard way because when I was doing a lot more client work, when I was doing done for you marketing work for clients, I thought, you know, if I offer every single different kind of service possible, then I'm going to make more money. And then same with when I first started creating digital products, I thought, well, you know, like obviously the more online courses that I have, the better. And it wasn't actually until I retired most of my online courses and just focused on growing one at a time and keeping it really simple. Exactly. Exactly. And like now, even a service side of my business, I only have, you know, three different ways you can work with me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been so much easier. It is. It's easier for you to control and manage. Um, It's it's easier for you to provide a much better quality service. Yeah. Yeah. And people know it's, it's easier for them to decide what it is they want to do with you because you're not offering like a million different things, you know, so it's, they don't have a lot to choose from. So let's not confuse the market as well. Let's keep it nice and simple. There's a couple of Mm -hmm. questions that I like to run people through when it comes to those revenue streams. One of them is to identify what your revenue streams are. So just, you know, write that out, whatever feels right to you. Mm -hmm. And then I like you to, this is again, if you've got your pen and paper there, write these questions down. (laughs) Do you know, can you reach your goals with those revenue streams? So we've, in the previous uh, step, we've set your goals. Do you know whether or not you can actually reach those goals with those particular revenue streams? Now, a lot of people will say, yeah, I can. And (laughs) some will say, no, I, or I think I can, you know, so just have a think about it. Can you reach those goals with your revenue streams? And then in the next step, we're going to talk about sort of proving that out a bit and just sort of having a look at the numbers around whether you actually can as opposed to just thinking we can. So can you reach your goals? The next question that I really love people to think about when it comes to their revenue streams is what is it that they would love to remove from their revenue streams? What would they love to take out of their day? Is there one particular uh, thing that you're offering to the market that feels heavy, 
that you're just Mm. not enjoying doing that's super time consuming. Maybe you actually enjoy it, but it's just too time consuming. It's affecting your lifestyle. Um, It's capped, you know, the amount of money you can make out of that might be capped by the hours in your day. So that's the second thing I'd love for people to think about is what is it that you'd love to remove in an ideal world? You know, we don't have to think about the hows or anything (laughs) right now, but what would you love to take away? Um, And then the the next question that I love to have people think about is what would you really love to add to your revenue stream? So if in a perfect world you could, what would you add Mm. to your revenue streams? And I guess this is where like obviously, Steph, you're going to be all over this and see (laughs) from people with digital products. But adding that, what would you love to add to that revenue stream? Is it a membership? Is it a digital product? Is it a, um, do you want to establish a, an online shop? What What is it that you want to bring into the world and launch that you actually get really excited about? I love it. And I especially love how you touched on removing those things from your, your revenue stream. I think like, I mean, I've done this in the past where it's been, it's a real mindset thing, right? Because you're like, oh, but I don't want to lose that income. But the income that you lose, you'll replace that because you're freeing up so much time. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's really, you really have to just have the, oh, it does take some guts, doesn't it? To, it does. To let it go. <laughs> it does. But you'll know when the time's right to just let go of some of these things. And you don't have to let go of it completely. I mean, you can just start to ease your way out of certain revenue streams and slowly replace it with income from elsewhere. There, You don't have to just slice it off, but the first step is really starting to think about what is it that you would love mm-hmm. in an ideal world to get rid of. I love it. And then also, Jen, when you and I did our session together, you talked a bit about, you know, building an elegant business and sustainable business. Could you please explain these concepts to our listeners? Yeah, it kind of comes back to what we spoke about at the beginning, which is a lifestyle friendly Mm. business. So we can have a sustainable business model. A sustainable business model assumes that it's profitable enough for it to continue year in, year out and be around for the long term. So have some sort of long-term viability. And that's what we're all sort of going for. But I like to challenge people to think about, is your business model an elegant business model? Because Mm -hmm. an elegant business model, that's the thing that allows you to have that lifestyle. That's the thing that buys you the time to go and spend all this money that you're going to make, you know, go on those holidays, take the family away, build your dream home, upgrade your car, play golf on Wednesdays, (laughs) do whatever it is you want to do. It's about having that elegant business model, not just a profitable, sustainable business model because, and this is something that I learned personally, we uh, fell, we learned this ourselves by getting really heavily involved in growing our business, uh, which we, we did grow our business. Not long after we bought our business, we went through a really heavy growth stage and it was fantastic, but we spent the amount of hours we spent on the road and away from home and it was insane. So very profitable, that's fantastic, but it wasn't sustainable there as far as our lifestyle goes. So yes, it was profitable, but no, there was no elegance there. There's no elegance when you're when you're away in hotels every night and you're never seeing your family and so on and so on. So yeah, yeah, that's the difference. 
No, I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> I can definitely relate to that with um, when I was doing all the done for you marketing work for clients and yeah. yeah, it was profitable, but you know, it was time for money. It is exactly. And when you yeah. find yourself up late at night, like for me, if I am stuck in my office late at night and I can hear my family out there having a great old time laughing and joking, mm. I don't want to be in my office. I want to be out there with my family. You know, I want to be yeah. doing things with my family. And I doubt that I'm the only person that feels that way. So that's where mm. we create these profitable businesses, but then we have to re um, have a look at how it is that whether or not they're elegant. Just have yeah. to reassess, reassess to see whether or not we uh, have ourselves an elegant business model. And if not, how can we do it? Love it. Okay. Step number three, wrapping those numbers around okay. the revenue streams. Okay. Don't go to sleep, people. I promise I'll try and keep <laughs> this interesting. Nobody loves to talk about numbers, but we're going to wrap the numbers around those revenue streams. So at this point, you've got some goals. We've got you to set some goals. You've then... Um, identified your revenue streams and you've had a bit of a think about what you'd love to stop doing and what you'd love to start doing. Now, what we like to do is um, I actually have a, I don't want to say the word spreadsheet because everybody hates it, but <laughs> it's a spreadsheet <laughs> that I that I throw people's numbers into. And what we do is we pull out each of the revenue streams individually and we analyze each of those revenue streams individually. And you could do this yourself. You don't actually have to have, um, you know, anything too fancy, but it's about working out how many do you need to sell for what price in order to reach those revenue goals for that particular revenue stream. So yeah. if you have three revenue streams. One of them is an online shop and one of them is a one-to-one consulting package that you do. And the other one is um, some sort of retainer that someone pays you every month to appear and do whatever it is you do. Then we're going to pull those three apart and we're going to look at what you're charging, how many you're selling and what you need to sell in order to reach your coming, your upcoming goals. Okay. Now that in itself sounds relatively simple. So we could all sit down and do that. The thing that I love to do is not just unpack our revenue streams and wrap those more simple numbers around it. I also encourage people to look at the delivery hours that are involved Mm. in each of those revenue streams. So if you were to say to me, Steph, that you have a one-to-one consulting package and it takes you, um, you know, 50 hours in a month to deliver that, then we're going to, we're going to work that in to the calculation. We're going to work in that, those hours that you're uh, putting towards delivering that product. And then we're going to be able to see by the end of the year, if you can, if you sell um, 10 of those, one per month, then what does that mean? How many hours per month are you actually do you need to commit in mm. order to uh, in order to reach your revenue goals? So, what is your hourly, monthly commitment to delivering these products? So, I guess the thing is, once you can pull apart your revenue streams and isolate what they are, put put out there what it is that you're charging for those. Put out there how many of those you need to sell. Then, I want you to think about. How many hours does it take me to deliver each one of those? And then add that 
add that into the mix, add the note, those hours into the mix and work out per month what is it that you need to deliver those because that's where you then start to discover whether or not you're, this is a realistic business. Mm-hmm. Are you realistically going to reach those revenue goals or are you going to be working, you know, till midnight every night to reach <laughs> these revenue goals? Because at the end of the day, it's not just, you're not just delivering you have other things you have to do in your business as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's about just trying to pull out those delivery hours. And I call it return on time. So we, we I love that. Yeah, we calculate a return on time. Yeah, I think that's so important. Like so often you see people who have built, you know, a really, they're making a lot of money out of their business, but they're working seven days a week, 10 hours a day. And if they were to stop working those hours, the business wouldn't be making like the the income would just go, right? Yeah. Do you see that quite often? Yeah, yeah, it does. There's there's so many different way. There's so many different things that happen out there with different businesses. People have different mm-hmm. problems and different things are coming up all the time. But at the end of the day, if you have enough, uh, if you're selling enough services and you are not required to massively uh, commit your hours to delivering those services, then you know you're going to make a profit. So what I like to look at is um, with things like, say, do you get many people, Steph, that come to you to launch, say, a membership, that, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Memberships yes. are very popular at the moment, actually. <laughs> okay, so let's just use a membership as an example. So if you wanted to launch a membership, you kind of want to know before you go to market with that membership whether or not you can physically do the work that is required once you sell this membership, you know, yeah. are you going to get a return on your time that it's going to take you to deliver the membership? So what we would look at is things like, for example, if you had, um, say you had a membership and you were putting it out there at $149 a, a month, mm-hmm. you got a membership at $149 a month, you have, um, you're going to put it to market saying that I'm going to give you one hour of my time per month and I'm also going to be in the in a Facebook group for half an hour a week or two hours mm-hmm. two hours for the for the month, whatever it might be. So what I'm what I'm getting at here is what are you selling? What time are you pre-committing? Yeah. How much are you charging? Then looking at the number of members that you're going to get. So if you had $149 a month, you're going to deliver this at one hour per member per month, so one-to-one time, two hours is going into the groups to do a Facebook group live thing yeah. or whatever people do, and you had 50 members sign up to that, so the money looks good. You're looking at around about $90,000 for the year, so the money looks okay, but you're actually delivering this at a return on time of $143 per hour, okay, mm. and it's taking you 52 hours to deliver each month. So they're just an idea of the numbers that, and you might be okay with $143, but I'm not sure that a lot of consultants or, um, Mm. you know, the people that are out there that are working $143 an hour return for a membership isn't perhaps the best use of your time. And that's before all of your other expenses. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's this before you've taking... paid for your hosting, your ads, your Everything. you know your email marketing platform, all of those things, and yeah. then suddenly it's like, oh, where did my money go? <laughs> exactly. So let's find out before you're before you go to market whether or not you're actually going to make something out of this thing. Okay, yeah. so that's that's where I'm kind of getting at here. Whereas in that same example, if you were to still charge 149, but you instead of doing one hour per month, one-to-one, you just said, no, I really feel like I want to give these people some one-to-one. You know, that's kind of something that you feel really strongly about. Well, if you can bring that back to half an hour Mm. and double the amount of time that you're spending there to the group from two hours to four hours, all of a sudden we're going to do one hour of lives a week or whatever it might be, just little tweaks like that. Yeah. Yes, you're still making the same money. That 90,000 per annum is still there. You're still making the same money. But all of a sudden, instead of having an hourly rate, a, a return on time of 140 odd dollars, now all of a sudden you've got a return on time of nearly 260. Mm. And because you've now freed up that extra time, you can use that time to go and add another revenue stream into yes. your business. And that's the, yeah, that's it. So in the first yeah, example, in, in the first example, you were spending 52 hours per month. Yeah. Okay. Delivering. Now you're spending 29 hours per month. So I guess. So obviously that was an example that I sort of had have used previously when I do demonstrations and things like that. Mm. But the point is that you need to know these numbers before you go to market, before you commit and you get a whole bunch of people coming in there. You want to know that you can actually do this stuff and make money and not run yourself into the ground at the end of the day. Yeah, like I see a lot of people who do create online courses or memberships where they think, yeah, like I'm going to do, I'm going to commit this one-on-one time. And I'm like, okay, cool. That works really well if you've got, you know, 10 students. Yes. But what happens if you scale it to 100 students, 200 students? You know, that's not quite so practical anymore. And then they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that you touched on that. Okay. So the next element, step number four, wrapping the strategy around the revenue. So this is where we get to the how. So how are you going to reach those numbers? So if we have just said that you're going to sell a membership and it's $149 a month and you're going to get 50 people in there, this is where we start talking the how. And this is where you would really, you know, come into your best here, Steph, is talking about the how. So um, if you are going to uh, launch a membership and it's the first time you've done that, you know, Steph's going to be the one to tell you how to do that. Maybe you're going to launch yourself a podcast first. You're going to put yourself out there as the go-to person, Mm -hmm. uh, as an expert in your field, and then head down the membership path. If it's one-to-one consulting that you've decided that you want to uh, keep that going in your, that's one of your revenue streams, you want to keep going in your business and, and you perhaps know that you need to get in front of eight leads, eight quality leads Mm -hmm. in order to sell the two one-to-one consulting jobs per month that you have just come up with in your, so you've just done the numbers, you know, you need two per month, then how are you going to get those two per month? So it's just about bringing the strategy into it. And what is it that you actually need to do at that strategic higher level to make sure you can achieve the numbers that you've just pulled apart? So it's almost like sub goals in a way. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so my revenue, this is my revenue goal. Then your sub goal below that might be, okay, so I need to get this many people into my membership. And then you have like a sub goal below that, which is your strategy, basically. 
So launch your podcast to build your authority so you can get those members so you can hit your revenue goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's so simple. (laughs) When you put it like that, it is simple. So (laughs) you're starting with your revenue goal. You're going to pull out the, work out what revenue streams are going to make you that money. Mm. You put the actual numbers around those revenue streams are going to sell 10 of these at this price and I'm going to sell 30 of those at that price, whatever those particular numbers are, once you've got those there sitting in front of you, it's so much easier to then go and have a look at the next level and it's stuck into the how. So how am I going to sell 10 of these products at this price? And then that that leads, and that leads into then I guess the fifth element, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The daily, weekly, monthly activity. So These are the things that you need to start. Uh, What we look at here is what you need to stop doing, what you need to start doing and what Mm. you need to keep doing every day, every week, every month in order to achieve these goals. So this is where um, you, you may need to stop what you need to stop doing in your day, it's about having a look around at the things that you just don't need to be doing. What can you, if it's, if time is an issue, we'll mm. have time as an issue or we make time become an issue. <laughs> what can you outsource? Um, what can you do more efficiently? What can you systemize? So that's one example of what you can look at when it's about looking at what you want to stop doing. Then there's what you want to start doing. Okay, so when it comes to what you want to start doing to actually make sure you reach your goals quicker, it could be that you have an accountability, maybe you need an accountability buddy. I'm not saying you have to go out and pay someone to be (laughs) accountable to, but maybe it's just a friend, another business person that you can bounce things off and say, all right, every week I need to get this done. There are so many different things that you may be able to start doing to make sure that you can actually achieve what it is that you want to achieve. It could also be things like um, setting, getting a VA to do certain things for you, setting up, um, streamlining your one-to-one consulting with some sort of online CRM like Dubsado or um, Mm. an Asana or a Trello, you know, how can you use other tools around you to reduce the, the, amount of time that it takes you to get through things. So this is where this is into the nitty gritty. We start getting into the nitty gritty of how you're going to actually reach those goals um, and carry out that strategy that we just spoke about. And then there are finally things that you want to keep doing. So some things you're going to stop, some things you're going to start, and then there are other things you're going to keep doing. And really that just comes back to the things that you're really good at, you know, identifying what your strengths are. If you're a gun salesperson, then you're not going to take yourself out of that. You're going to keep doing that. Uh, yeah it's about just working out the things that you are uh, that you are really good at and keep doing them yeah although I must say with the the stuff to keep doing sometimes the things that we enjoy doing we're probably not the best person to be doing like I really enjoy a lot of just basic admin tasks but then it's like it's the question you know is this the best use of my time and sadly a lot of the time it's not no No. And I guess that's where it's good to have somebody on the outside to really just give you that bit of a push and a shove and say, okay, well, Mm. do you need to be doing that? And then it might be the accountability buddy that keeps you on track and, you know, making sure that you are doing the right things with your time. So yeah, that's at the end of the day, you're going to be smart about it. Like, you know, that you shouldn't be doing the admin stuff. And if you do it, if you know, it's your choice, but you know that you shouldn't be. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jen, this has been awesome. So, okay, at the end of every podcast episode, I ask my guests a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. So, my first question to you is what advice would you give to your pre business self? Uh, I would tell myself that you need to follow your gut girl. Like, mm-hmm. I am a big one on following my gut. Intuition, I know. But I like to just say, follow your gut because that's literally where you feel it. Like if, uh, if something doesn't feel right, say no to it. If something does feel right, say yes to it. And sometimes, sometimes something can feel or make so much sense on paper. It can make so much sense when you put the numbers down. It can make so much sense when you talk to every person that you respect and love and trust around you. But if there's just that little bit of something in your gut that says no, then say no. That's that's the one thing. I love that. What has been your biggest whoops moment in business? Oh, my biggest whoops. Gosh, that is such a good <laughs> question. There's probably so many whoopses. <laughs> it's hard to remember them in hindsight, but at the time it probably seemed like the biggest deal, right? <laughs> oh, I tell you, I there was one time I, and it was actually such a big whoops that it made me, I am one that takes things really personally. And me too. Like when it comes to my work, like I want to do the best job for every single person that I come in touch with. I just cannot not do it. And I made a very, like one day I made a a tiny error, which to me, and I won't go into it because it's kind of like an accounting thing. I made this tiny error and it was fine. It made no difference to anything at the end of the day, but just, I made a whoops and I can tell you that it just w- weighed on my shoulders, on my life for about three years, this tiny, like, wow. so I guess, yeah, I am just so hard on myself at the same time. So it's yeah. kind of one of my weaknesses is to just let it go because we're not perfect. You know, yes, I made a little tiny whoop. So um, I, I think that's probably the other thing that I would tell myself. If I was to go back, I would say to myself, you know, it's okay to not be perfect. You don't need to. It's okay to do a whoops. Yes. <laughs> and as long as you, as long as you put your hand up at the end and say, "Yeah, I did a whoops, and I'm really sorry." But yeah, mm. yeah, I I totally resonate with that. I'm so hard on myself with those kinds of things as well. And it's been it's such a process not taking it personally. Like it's just oh, it's the worst feeling. Yeah, I think it actually works really uh, against us as people that want, that work in that sort of one-to-one mm-hmm. environment. I think it works against us because it means that the things like your return on time, where you should be spending 10 yeah. hours on a job, like I will seriously spend 15 hours on a job because I'm so careful and conscious and cautious mm-hmm. and, you know, and that's where I have to pull myself up and, you know, pull myself back. It's a bit of a weakness. Yeah. So Jen, what has been your biggest growth moment? Um, my biggest growth moment has come from, and actually it's something that I spoke about. I speak about in one of my, I'm releasing a podcast, uh, in the next very, probably when this comes live, I should have my podcast will be live, which I'm very excited about. Simply Smarter Numbers, the podcast. I speak about it in one of those. My biggest growth moment was I had, I mentioned earlier, our 
life is revolves around traveling. We had this massive luxurious holiday planned and three days before I was due to go on this holiday, I had to call my travel agent and say, what money can I get back? What credits <gasps> can I get? I cannot do this. Uh, it, I was going through a massive mm-hmm thing in our business and I was the lead of it and it involved so many different people and it was it was huge. It was a really big deal and I felt the pressure to not go away. Um, so, yeah, that yeah. is something that was really, yeah, that I really struggled with. So big learning there, you know, don't, <laughs> don't get yourself in that position to start with. We did go on the holiday in the end but it was really, really stressful, yeah. so... Oh, God, that sounds very stressful. And you don't want to be on holiday and thinking about what's happening in your business at the same time. No, you don't. You don't. And that's actually what I talked about in, in my podcast. I sort of went through the, the five steps because I'm a very organized person and I like to have everything completely. I'm not, I don't think I'm a control freak. Perhaps I am a little <laughs> bit. But um, that's what I went through is the things that I did to make sure that I could go away and everything was successful and everything worked really well and and I did have a relaxing holiday. So, yeah, we, yes, the old Greek islands holiday with <gasps> work in the background, in oh. the back of the mind is, was not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> and especially I'm sure like the internet in Greece isn't fantastic. Oh, no, we were on a boat. So that was yeah. the thing. We actually crew, we were on a cruise from... Uh, down the Croatian coast, there is no, you know, we were looking at satellite. How can I get like satellite phone thingies? And I don't know anything about all that stuff. And I'm like, no, this is ridiculous. Just that's actually internet. (laughs) That's really funny because yeah, my first holiday away from my business was also in Greece, also on a boat. Oh yeah. And I basically planned that that entire week around the idea that I would not have any 4G for the entire week. And thank goodness I did because I did not have much 4G at all. No, you really don't over there. It was actually amazing. Yeah. How little you do have. So anyway, perhaps it was just meant to be no internet. I'm glad I didn't have any. (laughs) (laughs) Jen, thank you so much for sharing all of your numbers wisdom. And hopefully our listeners today can say that they have found numbers a little bit more fun now. So where can our listeners find out more about you, your future podcast and your masterclass that you teach? You can go to simplysmarternumbers.com. So everything's there. For, and it's simplysmarternumbers.com forward slash podcast will get you to that page. Um, forward, slash, forward slash profit masterclass will take you to that page. So yeah, the podcast will be called Simply Smarter Numbers. And yeah, I would love to have any of you over there to listen. And I promise I'll try and keep it really nice and easy to understand. Simple stuff. Fun numbers. Fun numbers. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Jen. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 